A lot of the people that, that came into Corinth after Paul left were not people that Paul had even met. They were building on the foundation that he had started. They were building the different rooms of the house. And I love this analogy when it comes to traveling teachers, that there are those who really lay foundations. There are those who, and then they leave. And they don't say, hey, because I laid the foundation, i got to build out everything. I've got to do the framing and the plumbing and the electric and every other part of it. No, I'm going to leave. And there are other people who are really equipped in those areas. And so we're going to let them come and do their work. And then they're going to leave. And then someone else is going to come and do their work. And it's nice for these for the house churches, for there not to be a constant presence of these equippers, but for them to come and go and for there to be seasons where we just kind of like season and mature in the things that we already know. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes a new person and they've got an equipping. They're going to activate something new that maybe is dormant in, in the body right now. Like, let's get that activated. And so you have to begin to get comfortable with this process of hosting the traveling teacher. Welcome to the 1000 Houses podcast, where we encourage and equip households to make disciples in and through the home. Every episode, you'll hear interviews, teachings, and conversations around what it looks like to turn your home into a hub for mission, community, and discipleship. So today's episode was taken from one of our coaching intensives called A House for Community, where we provide households with personal coaching for how to build a community and turn your home into a hub for community relationships. So if you're interested in learning more about A Thousand Houses or checking out some of our other resources, visit 1kh.org. Let's jump into today's episode. So imagine for a moment that you are in the house church of Philemon. He lived in the city of Colossae, and we know that he was one of the hosts of a gathering in his house. Would you expect in that little house church, that gathering, that household, that there would be all the gifts needed for everyone in that body to fully mature into the Lord? So is that how God designed the church? Is that the apostolic blueprint that Paul was actually planting? How are these things really affected by the larger body or the larger church. And so I want to talk about what is actually expected because inside of a little house church or a gathering like Philemon had, I'm sure that you had lots of different things where they needed to be built up. They, they, what if you had a problem with really being more pastoral and there was nobody in that house church that really had that gift? What do you do? Or what if the gift of prophecy started to really emerge with one person in that body? But there was nobody in that body that was mature in that gift that could mentor them, help, help them, equip them. Is that really the best? Or would it be better if there was a larger group that they could have access to that would help equip them in those areas? And so we want to talk about what is the actual way that Paul was advocating for these house churches, these communities to grow. What, what is above um, and beyond the scope of what is expected of an individual community or house church when it comes to equipping. And so Paul talks about this in detail in the book of Ephesians. We're going to go into that in a minute. And he talks about these traveling equippers. And in fact, lots of uh, what we read in the New Testament in the whole book of Acts, most of the book of Acts is really about the, the missionary um, travels of the different traveling equippers, of course, of course especially Paul uh, and Peter, but others as well. And so we know that this was a regular part of the way that, that they were built up. There, there was a steady stream of traveling equippers coming into these different cities. They would go, they would teach publicly, Paul said, and from house to house. And so there would be times when the whole 
uh, household of Philemon would go to a larger gathering of different house churches in the city of Colossae to listen and be equipped by one of these traveling equippers. And there were probably times when a traveling equipper came directly into the house of Philemon to help build up that body. And so who are these people? Like, how does that work? So we want to talk, first of all, about why is this needed? Number two, how it worked in biblical times. But we also, and most importantly, we want to discuss, like, how does this work today? Like, is it possible to actually release this same thing today? So why is this important? One of the reasons is, like I was describing, we don't have all the gifts in a particular house church. We don't even have all the gifts in an entire city. I mean, Paul begins his letter to the Romans in Romans 1, chapter 1, verse 11. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. He makes a case both there and at the end of the book that they need access to his spiritual gift. Rome was one of the you know, few churches that we have an epistle to from Paul that was a church he did not plant. And so there were gifts that Paul had that had not yet been imparted to this very large, you know, very dynamic city church in Rome. And so he saw that they needed uh, access to his gift. And really, Paul uh, unveils the way this whole idea functions in, in the book of Ephesians. So the way Ephesians is structured, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, Paul talks about the real epic nature of, the, of God's manifold wisdom and how he's changing the world. And he really takes us on a sweeping journey throughout history and really how God's uh, special plan is being revealed in this way through the church. And so it's very theological, very beautiful. Um, but then in chapter 4, he gets really, really practical. And he's like, okay, how does this really happen? How does this epic thing that God is bringing about on the earth, um, how, does this, how does this happen? And so he talks about in chapter 4, and, and in, in verse 11, he says uh, that, that Jesus gave uh, five different kinds of gifts. Um, and th- these are, uh, as, as people have looked at, uh, this, this actual verse, he's not talking about gifts uh, specifically as sort of disembodied. He's talking about uh, gifts as particular people. And that's why in most translations it uses, um, it, it, we have the preposition the over and over again. So it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So he's saying that if we want to get to maturity, he had to give us five different kinds of people, uh, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Um, And so these people are really important, and we see them oftentimes listed in Acts and in other books uh, according to whatever that gifting is so that we can be aware of when they come to our city, oh, who they are, how they equip us. And it's one of the things that's, of course, very unique about the way Paul is describing this is that their ministry is not to do the work, but to equip the body itself to do the work. This was one of the reasons why it was so important that they travel. Because if one of these people were to set up shop in that city permanently, move in and say, guys, I'm now your evangelist. You don't have to worry about evangelism anymore. I'll take care of that. I'm your pastor. You don't need a shepherd. We don't need that anymore. I'm, I'm going to take care of that. I'm the teacher. You know, I'm going to take care of all the teaching from now on. That, that was not what happened. They had the house gatherings, these house churches. Then they also had city church expressions that would meet as well. But they would have these, these equippers were not there to do the work, but to equip the work and then to move on to the next city and equip the work. They did this in, in spurts. And so they would take seasons like Paul would and say, I'm going to take the next year or two and travel and do this. And then I'm going to go back home and sort of, you know, recharge, uh, study some more, write letters, 
you know, and then go back out. And so this was not just Paul. This was what uh, was happening all over the place. In fact, a lot of people don't realize this, but there's an entire book of the New Testament, a letter that was written that was explained to us how to steward and treat these traveling teachers. I'm going to read to you guys um, most of the book of 3 John right now. It's a very short book, but this is all it's about. And so uh, what he says in 3 John is, Dear friend, you are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing such teachers in a manner that pleases God. For they are traveling for the Lord, and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can, can be their partners as they teach the truth. And then he goes on in the next paragraph, the end of the book, to actually rebuke a particular household leader who refused to host any of these traveling teachers. And so this was a huge part of the culture. Um, the, the oldest book we have um, outside of the New Testament that was written to the church is this thing called the Didache, which was kind of the way that they described the practices. And again, a big portion of the Didache is about how to steward the constant uh, traveling teachers that were moving through all of these different cities. Uh, and so this was a huge part of the way that that, that that blueprint was set up. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 3. We looked at this in his apostolic blueprint, that he said, look, I'm here as an apostle to lay the foundation in Jesus Christ, but there are going to be other people that are going to be building. One, one of these is really interesting when you read 1 Corinthians is, is a lot of the people that, that came into, Corinthi the, the, uh, into Corinth after Paul left were not people that Paul had even met. They were building on the foundation that he had started. They were building the different rooms of the house. And I love this analogy when it comes to traveling teachers, that there are those who really lay foundations. There are those who, and then they leave. And they don't say, hey, because I laid the foundation, i got to build out everything. I've got to do the framing and the plumbing and the electric and every other part of it. No, I'm going to leave. And there are other people who are really equipped in those areas. And so we're going to let them come and do their work. And then they're going to leave. And then somebody else is going to come and do their work. And it's nice for these for the house churches for there not to be a constant presence of these equippers, but for them to come and go and for there to be seasons where we just kind of like season and mature in the things that we already know. And then all of a sudden, boom, here comes a new person and they've got an equipping. They're going to activate something new that maybe is dormant in, in the body right now. Like, let's get that activated. And so you have to begin to get comfortable with this process of hosting the traveling teacher, the itinerant equippers that are described in Ephesians uh, 4. And so what do, we do, what do we do about this today? This is what was going on in the first century. Um, is Jesus still doing this? Is Jesus still giving us the apostles and the, and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherds and the teachers? Um, is, this, is this something that was just New Testament uh, time? And of course, most, there's no real evidence that, that, there, that we no longer need equipping of this, of this kind. Um, I believe these equipping, equippers still exist today. I believe that Jesus is still faithfully giving us the equippers. What's really uh, odd about the way that the church is structured today is that if you decide one day, like you get a call from the Lord and, and you, you feel like God has called you to be you know, a shepherd, your next thought, um, if you feel called to, to pastor people, is not going to be, I cannot wait to equip you know, thousands of different communities about how they can, how they can shepherd uh, the body on their own. Um, your, your first thought is going to be, I need to find a church to pastor. I need to find a flock. Now, this is really different than what was happening in the first century. And so because that's our intuition, you need to go to seminary, you get trained, find a church, find your flock, that's your group. You're going to constantly focus your pastoral ministry 
on that one group. Because we have that intuition today, that's our belief, um, we don't think that these, we don't think about these itinerant equippers anymore. What we think of is, is every one of these is really a, a different kind of church. And so you can go, if you go into your city and start looking around at different kinds of churches, oftentimes I can tell which one of the fivefold um, or these five different kinds of equippers planted the church, if it was a church plant, by just looking at the architecture of the church. And so if I walk into a church and there are classrooms, like way more classrooms than I used to seeing, if there's a 500-person church and there's 20 classrooms, then I'm almost, I can bet that, that uh, the church planting pastor is a teacher. That was their primary equipping gift. And so they're looking for a congregation, again, not to primarily equip them to teach and build up themselves, but for that person to do the teaching for them. And in fact, design the entire church structure around this one kind of equipping, this one kind of experience of their teaching. Um, not, not even equipping, like I said, that they're actually doing most of the teaching. Um, and then, of course, if I, if I walk into a church and I see a giant fellowship hall where there's like a huge kitchen, and then I'm like, okay, this, this was probably started by somebody who had that pastoral or shepherding kind of uh, gifting. Or if I walk in and there's a huge foyer and free coffee and just constant vibe of invitation, oftentimes I'm like, oh, I'm in a church probably planted by an evangelist, right? If you go into a church and there's lots of worship and lots of space in the altar area because they want to do tons of ministry time, oftentimes the, 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 the primary gifting of that pastor, uh, that leader, that church is a prophet. Um, and so I've seen all of these things. And there were, there were times, of course, you know, if you go back 80 years plus, most of the people who were planting churches were pastors. Um, however, um, about 50, 60 years ago, people that had the gift of teaching, instead of um, you know, being in seminaries exclusively or Bible colleges or finding ways to equip and teach the body through books and through other kinds of uh, media, um, they began to plant their own churches. And so you started seeing the, the, the emergence of these very large churches, and at the head of the church is a very, very gifted teacher. Um, and then in the last 20 or 30 years, especially since Willow Creek, you begin to see that the evangelists begin to plant churches. And this is another thing that's very new, because before then, evangelists were, were the one of these equippers that at least we still had as itinerant. You know, back in Billy Graham's day, if you were an evangelist, you were like, oh, I know what my job is, is to travel, is to be itinerant, it's not to sit in one city and build a giant church. But we have shifted to a model where every single one of these equippers believes that for them to be released, they've got to plant a church. What this does is it, it creates a situation for all of us where we have to pick, do I want to go to a teaching church, do I want to go to a pastoring church, an apostolic church, a prophetic church, an evangelistic church? And you can see by what Paul says is if, if we do that, if we don't have access to all these, all these equippings, if we're not activated in all these areas as a community, then we're not going to mature. We're not going to reach the full stature of Christ. And so it's really important for us to, to see the importance of this equipping, but also the challenge that we're going to face today. And so what do we do about that? How do we actually get equipped by these fivefold or by these equippers if there is such a culture now in the church of saying, no, 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 you need to only be equipped by one of the five. So here are some ideas for accessing equippers. Um, number one, I think it's really helpful to discern where your body seems weak and then try to find equipping in that area. So as the host, it's really important that, that at different hosts, we begin to network with each other and say, hey, 
this person has an incredible equipping around evangelism, or this person really can help people understand the gift of teaching and how to release it, or here's an equipper who really will create in the community a sense of, of shepherding and of pastoring, really, really that dynamic love that we wanna see emerge in, in that gathering. And so if we start to find those people, and they do exist, we need to begin to share those experiences with people. Um, number two, when you find someone has an anointed teaching, take a season and sit under it together. This doesn't have to dominate your gathering, but this can be kind of, kind of a side thing that you're like, okay, we're going to go into a season of a few months of really understanding how to lean into the prophetic ministry. And this is the way we're going to do that. Um, you know, one of the things that's interesting as well is that if, when you go, if you've ever been in a church setting where you've been equipped by one person for five, ten years, oftentimes you'll discover that there is a particular teaching that that person has that just feels way more anointed. Every time they talk about this subject, it's like, wow, like that is so unique and so powerful. This seems like the Holy Spirit just really comes through on that teaching. They don't realize oftentimes that, that virtually every one of these equippers is stewarding a very particular teaching that, again, needs to be uh, disseminated or seeded throughout the entire body. Lots and lots of churches need access to that teaching. Instead, they might hit that series, right? Once every three or four years, and you're like, oh, that's, that's amazing. And then they go back to something that's you know, a little bit more normal. And so we need to become aware when we are listening to, peop- to teachers, people teach, pastors, um, we need to have ears for their anointed teaching. And when you start to hear an anointed teaching, you're like, I think that you are stewarding, that is unique. I don't, I, I've not heard that elsewhere. Uh, that just built up my faith in this area in a really unique way. I'm looking around and seeing it's happening for other people. Like, can you give that to our community? Or can you like spend some time and really help equip others in that area? I just wish we would identify a lot more clearly what these anointed teach- teachings are and not assume that because I have a congregation, I've got to equally uh, teach everything at the same level. Um, again, you wouldn't expect that if Ephesians 4 is really the design of the church. You'd expect that there to be people that have specific, they're stewarding a specific kind of teaching. So number two, you need to find those kinds of teachings. So number three, if someone in your body has unique gifts, have them go through training in that area. So you want to be really aware of if the gift of prophecy or evangelism or teaching or something associated with those gifts is emerging in people in your in your community. You want to make sure that they have access to equippers who really understand how to how to help them get to the next level, how to help them understand that gifting because those giftings are often unique and they require somebody who could really help them level up and level up in those areas. It's going to really bless your body. It's going to really help the whole city church. Number four, lots of these trainings are available online. And so one of the great things is oftentimes these kind of anointed teachings that I'm talking about, people have packaged them in online courses, in books, in Bible studies. And so sometimes you just need to take a season and go through some of those kinds of uh, equippings so that you can get access to those teachings. And so it's awesome in this day and age with so much of this stuff being packaged in, in ways that are really accessible. And so we want to be really aware of where those things are at, what our body needs, and make sure that we're going through those. And then number five, host a teaching in your home for the greater body. It's really important to see your house as a portal for a traveling teacher to be able to come in, maybe equip your community, but also you can invite others from the city, others who also may be interested in that equipping, other house churches and gatherings, other believers in your area, your neighborhood, and say, hey, we got a guy that's coming or somebody who's coming who's really good in this area. We'd love for you to come and experience this equipping. And so that can be really, really powerful. It's also really important that when you're hosting people that you're being discerning uh, that everything they're saying and, and who they are is in line with the truth of the gospel. Second John is actually a book that's also about traveling teachers, but it's about the importance of discernment before you host them in your house. 
whereas 3 John is about the importance of being faithful to, 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 to host and to show hospitality to the traveling teachers, even though they are strangers to you, like he says. Now, I want to talk about how the story ends. Why is this so important? Why are we so passionate about the process of, of hosting traveling equippers and, and what actually is at stake here? And so one of the things that Paul says is, is that Jesus gave these apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, in order to mature the body, to equip us to do the work. And then he says this will continue. In other words, this kind of equipping will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be maturing the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. He's saying that the body itself is going to grow into its unity and its maturity uh, and it's going to continue to grow as various equippers come and go, as they, as they activate different parts of the body. This is going to continue until we look like the body of Jesus, until we are so mature that somebody who is looking for Jesus on the earth sees our communities, these bodies, and says, that is the body of Jesus. Like he is still, his resurrected body is alive and well and ministering on the earth through the Holy Spirit, not in any, any individual person, but in the manifestation of the mature body of Christ. And so these traveling equippers, Paul says, are critical in that. In that. And then he continues to sort of wax on about how this, how, what this will do to, to, uh, to so much of the world. He says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching, again, because we've gotten so much teaching, so much equipping from various people that we can really discern um, what is in line with the gospel. He says, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. So that's, I love that that's kind of the, the first thing that is really the mark of a mature body. We speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. Again, we are his body. Then he says, who is the head of his body, the church? So we are growing into the head. We don't take over the head, but we grow into the head because our body, the body that we're building and that the Holy Spirit's building through all this equipping is going to uh, match the head more and more. And then in verse 16, he, he finishes by saying, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Healthy and growing and full of love. That's what's at stake. It's that, that unity, that maturity, the full stature of Jesus Christ so that the body is healthy and growing and full of love. And so there is so much at stake. And so our question is, what is your body maturing strategy? And if you look at what Paul's saying here, he, he lays out in just a few verses how this works in Ephesians 4. And, you know, I, I really like the, the kind of the proverb that a father doesn't meet every need. He sees that every need is met. And so if you're that Philemon, if you're hosting, you know, a community, you don't have to feel the pressure of, I need to equip everybody and everything. That is not your job. But your job is to be aware of what the body needs and then to give them access to those people who can equip them, to be aware of, of what, where are the equippers, to be hosting the equippers. That's what we're, that's what our job is. Okay, so what is your plan? As I've been talking about these different equippers, has anybody come to mind? Is there anywhere where you are like, oh man, this is where I learned to be equipped in this area and in this area and this area? Are those people available? Are there teachings online? Are there, are there ways in which you can get your 
your community access to their teaching, other people in your city that have you know, these kinds of equipping gifts that you can get access to. So begin to think about that. Think about this. I, I like to think about this a lot of times from like an annual perspective. Are there maybe one or two things, maybe at the most three, that we could be equipped in this year? Uh, again, being sensitive to who's in the area or things that might be coming in that you might want to be a part of. But just we need to be living our life in, as a part of the kingdom of God, the, the larger kingdom, the city church, and access to that kind of universal body that, that Paul begins Ephesians 4 talking about. We are one body. We, we need access to that body. So, so think about that. Think about who those equippers are. And begin to be, begin to think about okay over the next year is there access to some of these uh, equippers that would be really helpful in the stage that your community is at to help mature the body. Well, friends, thanks for listening to today's episode. If this teaching stirred something in you, and you and your family are sensing any kind of calling or a pool to maybe go down this path in community, we'd love to be a resource to you as you explore this. So that's you, we want to invite you to join our coaching intensive called A House for Community, where we're going to combine online content and personal coaching for you to provide you with the teaching and the tools and definitely the encouragement that you're going to need to see your home become a house for healthy kingdom relationships. For more information and to apply for this coaching intensive, go to 1kh.org slash community coaching. We'll see you guys for the next episode.